You're listening to the Northern Hunter Podcast, home of all things hunting, fishing, and outdoors in Alaska. All right, everybody, welcome back into the show. My name is James Payne, and I am joined here with professional hunting expert Dalton Gray. Wow, big stretch. Big stretch. Hello, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And Alaska born and raised jack-of-all-trades, Mariah Humphreys. Wow, I thought you were going to say tech nerd. <laughs> I mean that, too. <laughs> jack-of-all-trades, jack master of none. Master of hey, none. Hey, But, guys, it is really good to be in the studio with you guys again. It is. I missed, missed it. Welcome yeah. back. Yeah, thank you. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> wow. Be, <laughs> you know, we there, talked about you? my range. <laughs> we talked about my range. Don't pick on me. So, anyway, so, yeah, great to be back in the, in the studio with you guys. I, uh, I really... I finally, finally got a chance to listen to that other episode that you guys did. Ah, today actually, nine? I finished okay, it. Well, yeah, episode know. nine. I mean, at this point, it's been out like what four days. So not you too know, bad. Yeah, by the time this bad, one yeah. comes out, it been out seven days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, that's typically the way this works. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's Thursday, no, so, folks. So, we'll see you Monday. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I, pre- I appreciate that about you guys. That was yeah. a really solid episode. Oh, oh there. yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. Not gonna lie. I'm a little heartbroken that, that I, you guys did a ballistics episode uh, without me uh, well yeah well, I, you know. I, I have i you have know. some comments that i'm gonna save <laughs> for a future episode no because hey, that you know what it, you know what we both <laughs> said after recording that james is really gonna wish he was here yeah. this one james <laughs> I was, is gonna be you, so upset. you sent me you sent me the name the title and the description and like you know that you, you know that scene in uh, Anchorman when he's in the the phone booth. Yes, okay. glass case of emotion. emotion. <laughs> I was like, that sounds so awesome, but I'm in Montana. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Right. Yep. But speaking of which, Montana was awesome. Just so so you guys know, I, I saw would highly on the recommend it. Instagram. You know, I there's a bunch of buffalo on your feed. And Dude, whatnot. we saw. <laughs> I saw more wildlife in seven days down there than I have in. I can't even remember how long. Like just sheer, sheer, sheer national number park. wise. So we were in, uh, we flew into Bozeman and then went uh, to a place called Gardner, Montana. Okay. It's the northern entrance to the park, to Yellowstone. Okay. And not the ranch. <laughs> not the ranch, no. <laughs> I didn't run into Kevin Costner. I was looking. Oh. But, um, but no, so we did. We got to drive all the way through the northern range of the park back to um, a town called Silver Gulch? Silver City. Okay. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, just a little, it's like, yeah. it's like yeah. literally a town of 25 <laughs> people. Um, and then actually beyond that, we went back into the park a couple days later and went, uh, I think it's like 15 miles past that. And there's a place called cook cook with an E at the end of it. And it's actually, it's a really cool town because it's small, but it gets, uh, socked in oh, okay. during the winter time. So they don't plow the roads behind it. No. They, so the only way these people can get out to go to the doctors or go grocery shopping, if they don't have anything in the store there is to drive all the way through Yellowstone Park, which is, I think, awesome. That's, wow. Yeah. It, it, I, I guess it's not tourist season, so it can't be too big of a deal. Right. I, I walked into that town, and I really thought, I was like, this almost looks like an Alaskan town. There was just mountains really? on both sides. Oh, yeah. okay. It was just one lane downtown. There mm. were snow machines going up and down the main road. Nice. Was like, it, nice. I was like, I'm home. You felt at home? I'm yeah. home. <laughs> um, but no, the, the park was awesome. I mean, I would highly recommend anybody go down there. We saw bison. We saw elk. We saw deer. We saw mule deer, white antelope. Tail. We yeah. saw, or not antelope, but uh, Prong pronghorn. You know, I went to the, the American antelope, Smoky Correct. Mountain National Park, or whatever it is down there, and uh, we were in Tennessee. Tennessee, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, Candace and I went uh, went down there on our honeymoon, 
and uh, I, I wanted to get her to see some wildlife. Mm-hmm. And you know what I was really disappointed about? No wildlife? <laughs> we saw some wildlife. <clears throat> it was all tame. You could like almost oh, walk really? up to deer and pet them. And it oh, was just yeah. lame. It was so lame. See, the ones in Yellowstone, they're pretty accustomed. You can't hunt in the park, obviously. So they're pretty, they don't consider, uh, you know, vehicles to be dangerous. So right. they let right. you get pretty yeah. close with your vehicle. Yeah. And a lot of times, we actually ran into several uh, roadblocks that were because of the bison. And the only time that they had to, or the only way that they had to get up through a certain portion was to, <laughs> we could still hear it. The only way they got, <laughs> we were able to get through a certain portion of the pass was to be on the road. And so we would be stuck for, you know, 30 minutes behind these bison as they moved. But, you know, we, we got to explore a little bit off the park too, um, mm-hmm. in the Northern section there. And Madeline and I were able to get back and actually find some bighorn sheep. I've got really cool videos I need to show you guys. Cool. And I'm, I apologize to everybody that looks at my social. Um, I'm horrible about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's like me, I'm nothing even worse. on there. There's nothing on mine. Did you find a big I, horn I, ram you're going to go after next year? Uh, I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what the bank account says. <laughs> yeah. um, so go buy some merch. I was going to say, and, if you, you want to help out subscribe James to the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Subscribe to the show. Please, people, come on. Uh, but you know, my Venmo the, is <laughs> aspiring <laughs> sheep hunter one two three <laughs> on Venmo. So one thing I wanted to say in regards to Yellowstone, though, is that Gardner, Montana, specifically, mm-hmm. is a beautiful, beautiful town. Okay, um, they have a very, very much like a Southern Alaska economies. They are pretty much tourist based. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's yeah. not a okay. whole lot of other yeah. uh, industry there. There's not a whole lot of anything other than tourism. It's a bunch of you know tourist guides and uh, ranches that you can stay at, VRBOs, lodges, restaurants, so like, things like that. Shroot farms. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> but the thing is, they've been having a heck of a time down there. Oh yeah. Uh, with COVID hitting, mm-hmm. I I'm think, sure. I yeah. think. Yeah. The the guy that took us through the park, he was talking about they had a seventy percent uh, shrink in their tourism for the first year of COVID. Twenty twenty one was better; they were up to about eighty percent of normal capacity. But at the beginning of this year, do you remember how here we had a really bad breakup season and we had just tons of snow mm. and things yeah. were flooding and, mm-hmm. and yeah, they had the same thing down there. Oh boy! What happened is they had tons of snow. They had really bad torrential downpours of rain in the springtime during the breakup, which mm. expedited the snowmelt, and it just dumped all that water into the Yellowstone Lake, which is, the Yellowstone River runs right through Gardner, Montana. Yeah. And what that did is that initiated a flash flood. And that, it washed away a couple of homes in the town, mm. but in it more potent to the, the environment as a whole is that it washed away the road to get into the park from the town. Oh, wow. So this is a tourist town yeah. that yeah. relies a, almost 100% for their economy on tourism. Wow. And they were down 90% this year because nobody, <laughs> you couldn't get into the park. Wow. wow. Now, luckily, the, the state government came together. They did a, a magical feat of engineering. I mean, this wasn't even a project until May, mm-hmm. like the end of May, because mm-hmm. their breakup season is actually pretty much the same as ours. And... They managed to get the funding, the engineering, and built a whole new road into Mammoth Hot Springs, which I think I want to say was 12 miles wow. to that stretch. And then they had to do an additional, I want to say, 10 plus miles inside the park 
to repair roads that and got washed away like there. It two years to do five miles I know, that's here. with no, plan, no pre-planning yeah, before no May, and they wow. got it done. Wow. Uh, so, you know, if you're planning a trip down there to Yellowstone and you want to take your family down there, one, I would highly recommend going through the northern entrance for no other reason than that's the majority of where you're, the wildlife's going to be hanging out. You know, the, the southern part of the park is more where the geysers are. Yeah. But Gardner, Montana could really use business. So if you're listening to this now or in the future, you're coming back and listening to this episode. If you're planning on a trip, I would highly recommend going through Gardner. It's beautiful. You're going to see tons of wildlife. And there's a lot of great guides that come out of that area, too. Not hunting guides, obviously, but tourism guides. Right. We saw, we went in with a guy named Mike. <laughs> Does he want his name on here? I don't know. I'll just say Mike. But Mike, it was okay. um to work on that. It was with Yellowstone Wonders is the name of his business. Wonders uh, or Wanders? <laughs> Wonders. Wonders. I mean, either works. Wonders. Either okay. works. And he is a phenomenal tour guide. I would highly recommend him. Okay. He had an answer for every little question you could possibly ask, from the geology of the park to the animals uh-huh. to the breeding cycles to the buildings in town and why they're there and the history of the families that live there he's just a extremely knowledgeable dude highly recommend look him up uh he's a great guy so awesome and i think in one day we saw 22 wolves with him wow and for record there's only 124 in the entire park so we saw a fifth of all the wolves in well, the park at yeah, one that time. they know about but anyway that they know that about they yeah yeah <laughs> oh that was the other thing on the second day we went in there i actually got to watch as they were running their helicopters back and forth tagging they had five wolves on the ground oh. and we wow. got to actually i have videos of that too of the helicopters coming and going cool because he gave us the heads up for that but anyway i've talked about this a little bit too long but well but anyway yeah. yeah i'm glad you had a great vacation i'm going to apologize to all of our listeners for any sniffles that make it through the editing process <laughs> i'm feeling a bit under the weather today as you can probably tell by the, by the nasaliness of my voice so mm-hmm. i'll try not to sniffle into the microphone and i'll try to correct your voice so it doesn't sound so nasally oh well mm. you don't need to do that i want to be real <laughs> i want <laughs> folks to know that i'm here despite my health <laughs> uh, i see i see yeah, anyway. push powering through, and that's, that's, right. that's what we appreciate about you. Yeah, so I'm thankful. I kind of wanted to, to get this going with a little bit of an explanation for anybody that may have been looking at the webpage recently mm. and uh, noticing that there might not have been a whole lot of recent articles being released mm. and kind of give it a little bit of an explanation for that. We kind of took a step back and looked at the website and noticed that a lot of what was scheduled to come out for the, the coming year was... Not exactly the content we wanted to be pushing out. This is mostly a learn to hunt in Alaska mm-hmm. and northern range. Yeah. And be out there doing it by the people that go out there and doing it. And a lot of the, the articles that, you know, Google kind of suggested that people were asking for, which I'm sure they are, just kind of seemed like those, albeit good articles. Yeah. I'm not saying they're not good, but yeah. they're just, they're kind of like the... Clickbaity. Click, you know, these five deer cartridges that right. you never heard of, right. or, you know, something like that, which don't get me wrong. I read those three yeah. bullet types for big game. No, see, that's about bullet construction. And that is an important <laughs> thing to know that but that is about some, the science. Great article. Great article. The 
name of it was seemed a little like that though. Oh, but if it gets clicks, sure. But we gotta get clicks. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> clicks are needed. But I side uh, with James on this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But right. you know what I don't want is I don't want the website to become full of these articles that you're not gonna actually get any substance from. So right. we're, we're taking a step back. There is a tremendous amount of substance in that article. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I Just appreciate clarify that. that. Very meaty. <laughs> <laughs> But so we're we're rolling out some some really awesome ideas for the future that we're going to be coming out with soon. They're in the works. So if you really enjoyed our articles, we're going to be doing more like that, and we're going to be keeping the kind of the status quo yep. um, with those kinds of articles. And there's also part of th- this is my first episode back in the new year. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, you know, Both. part of what I'm excited for for this year for 2023 is we have a bunch of new stuff. That now we're, keep that in mind, planning. this is not the first episode this year that our no, listeners have heard you. Oh, that's true. That's so weird. So, okay, yeah. well, hey. Anyway, so we're going to be rolling out some really awesome content this year. I'm really excited for it. And I just wanna, wanted to explain that if you were looking at the website and wondering, wondering yeah. why mm-hmm. that was happening. We but are open to suggestions for articles as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, yeah. just like with the, the content on the podcast here, if you yeah. have any questions, and we feel like we could explain it maybe a little bit more in depth in an article, even mm-hmm. ones we've already done. I mean, feel free. We will definitely go as in depth as we possibly can to help people. Speaking mm-hmm. of that, real quick, I wanted to bring up, had some technical issues with the website. In the last week, week and a half, if you sent us an email and have not gotten a response, uh, if you are not a spam bot, <laughs> we'd uh, resend the email. They're not listening um, if they're a spam bot. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just being Are you sure? facetious. Because all, of, facetious, our, all of, of our phones Come are on. listening to us right now. <laughs> not mine. Well, It's off. <laughs> anyway, long time to get here. But if you, if, you haven't, if you sent us an email or something and you haven't gotten a response, um, you can resend that uh, because we had an issue where stuff wasn't going through. Okay. Uh, anyway. All right. And the last thing I wanted to plug real quick was just a, I, I was made aware yesterday that the, there's an organization called RAC, that's R-H-A-K, Resident Hunters of Alaska. Okay. And they're a volunteer kind of group. They get together and they try to fight for us as hunters. They, yep. they work with the regulatory system. They work to try to just get more access for hunters to be out there in the woods. I'm not saying... I know that there's certain people that feel certain ways about the stuff that they do, but I feel like they have the right heart. They have, yeah, you know, they're, they're trying to do the right thing for the right group of people. So, <laughs> but anyway, so they're having the first annual fundraising banquet. It's going to be at the Birch Hill Recreation Area on January 28th, 2023. That's coming up pretty quick. Okay. Yeah. So tickets are going to be $25. They're going to have a wall of guns they're gonna have door prizes raffles they're gonna have all all the fun stuff i mean if you like going to these kinds of things definitely consider going over and supporting these guys they do some good work and like i said it's all volunteer based so they could use the funding these guys are on on boards and they're just they're showing up for meetings because it's what they're passionate about yeah and you know agree with them don't agree with them but they're out there fighting for hunter rights is this um like a black tie event or no no i mean show up in your stone glacier you right. know, I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's how I go to church these days. So. Right. <laughs> it's appropriate. But uh, they're going to have, you know, a banquet. They're going to have, it's, I believe it's Louisiana style. Uh, there's some kind of smoked meat that they're going to have there. Mm. Taters, corn, Sounds all good. kinds of stuff. So. And the guy that's cooking it, I guess, is from Louisiana. So if you like Louisiana cooking from a guy from Louisiana, hey. 
go check them out. It's you know, $25 at the door, and it, it all goes to a good cause. So. My, uh, my father-in-law is uh, from North Carolina, South Carolina, somewhere in that general vicinity. Mm-hmm. Down and there he, somewhere. He he does this, like, uh, fisherman's boil or something like oh, that okay. yeah. every, for Christmas. Yeah. So, like, king crab, like, uh, lots of shrimp. We did lobsters this year. It's amazing. Oh, that sounds so good. Man, I love Cajun cooking. I got to say, was, like, it, any good. kind of down south cooking, they, they've they got it. I, I tried to do a, a crawdad boil one time up here, and it, Interesting <laughs> it didn't for turn us, out Alaska, so good. Alaska boys to talk about here, but. <laughs> yeah, it didn't turn out so good. They were Costco crawdads, so. Oh, boy. That's <laughs> all <laughs> we got, man. Well, there's your cause. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so diving into some actual meat of this here episode i wanted to bring up something else that i found out about yesterday so i was sitting in yesterday was a big day for you wasn't it well so i like to go to the if you're not familiar there's a group called the fishing game ac or advisory committee and the advisory committee is a group of just local hunters a lot of them are on different boards different areas of the regulatory process, but their their main purpose is to get together. You can submit changes to the regulations. It goes to them. They vote on whether they're going to support it or not, and then they present it to the actual board of fish and game. So that's a great thing. If if you have any suggestions for the regs, if you want to make some changes, if you're wondering why something is the way that it is, they're a great resource. I would highly recommend checking them out. And they also, you know, search for explanations on things. You know, they, if they see something wrong and they see something that's not being done correctly by the regulatory process, they mm-hmm. try to fight for the hunter's rights and, and wonder why. And part of that during the meeting yesterday was, and yesterday being Wednesday, part of that was a huge increase in the number of sublegal rams taken this year. Doll sheep. Doll sheep. And, and by huge increase, I'm not, there's not hundreds of them by any means. Uh, there were 34 in 2022, in 2022 for this, the last fall season. Of how many total harvested rams? <laughs> the number is not exactly 400, but it's around 400. Uh, there's 462 taken in 2021, I believe, and the number this year was lower than that. The, the number the trooper said was 400. So, so 400 and how, how many sublegals? 34 sublegals. 34. 34, so just under 10%. Just under 10% of all rams shot this year were sublegal. So huh. as, as a sheep hunter and a guide, I wanted to take your, kind of get your two cents on that. Uh, you know, the, 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 the big consensus, yeah. you know, and this was backed by not only other hunters on the board, but, you know, the troopers as well, is yeah. that a lot of people were not seeing a ton of legal rams. I mean, everybody knows that they're not, everybody but i mean if you're plugged into this world you know that the doll sheep numbers have been on the plummet for years now hard winters predation things like that the numbers have just been going down down and they haven't been showing any signs of recovery yet and that's not just in one range either that's in multiple ranges across not every range but in multiple ranges across the state so people are taking risks they're staring at these sheep and they're not 100 percent sure and they're the only one they've seen that's close to a full curl, and almost every one of these they said was not like a blatant thing, mm-hmm. but it was mm-hmm. a half inch, a quarter inch, mm. shy of full curl. A squeaker. Yeah. You know, and there's, I don't know. So what, what do you think, Dalton? I'm going to pass that off to you. So 
Yeah. And, I, and I, I, I've, I've been sheep hunting for a few years now, and I, I know a lot of guys that sheep hunt, and I'm in touch with a lot of really good sheep hunters in this state. Mm-hmm. And I'm, uh, I, I've had several conversations with our local biologist for, for our part of the state, and I just recently spoke with a couple other out-of-our-area biologists um, in outlying areas with um, a very heavy sheep hunting culture and presence in that particular area. You know, these are, these are little towns where sheep hunting um, it is a big deal, and, and mm-hmm. it's, it's a big part of their local guiding economy. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to get specific because I don't want to point anybody's names out in the show because, you know, I didn't ask anybody permission about that. But, <laughs> uh, you know, doll sheep are, uh, they, they are subject to one major uh, factor mm-hmm. in whether they thrive or they die. And that's the winters. Mm-hmm. And that's whether the winter is too much snow um, or there's not enough snow so they can eat all winter long and they do great. Or if there's too much snow, then they have to dig for it and it's really mm-hmm. hard on them. Yeah. Uh, if there's a layer of ice up in the snowpack. Like we had last year. That didn't reach a lot of the sheep mountains, oh, believe it or not. Okay. I've, I've talked to several sheep biologists and hmm. several pilots that flew around and, the, you know, the, just the, the, the mountainsides were windswept. Gotcha. They were fine. Uh, and it didn't seem like that rain was too far reaching up into the mountains. It was cold okay. enough up there that it didn't it Just really, kind of stayed in the lowlands. Yeah it, it, yeah, it was frozen up there yet. Yeah, uh, not saying that it didn't happen anywhere in the sheep hills, but it wasn't as major of a of a factor in last year's problems as mm-hmm. it was for like our moose and caribou, mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah, like we saw down low. Now, with that being said, winter time, like I said, is the major factor with sheep populations. Yeah, if you get a a, a late breakup, is what we call it, when you have cool temperatures mm-hmm. reaching late into the springtime which does not allow the ice and the snow to melt which exposes the hillsides which allows the grass to grow and the lichen that the rams and the ewes and the lambs eat in the spring when breakup happens now all of a sudden they're on the borderline of starvation by the end of winter anyway yep scraping out a living in 30 below, 40 below for several months up there. And in the 50 mile an hour winds that they encounter, <laughs> it's bad or worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and so they get through all that and then the snow stays for an extra three weeks. You can imagine the effect that has on a population of sheep. So that is a big factor. And, you know, certain age classes of rams seem to do better or worse in that. Um, now, it, it, before you get too far away from that, yeah. what would you say, and I, I know you're not a biologist, but you speak to a lot of them, what is the general consensus on predation as far as the, uh, the, uh, the rise in wolf numbers? It does like have that? an effect. Does it? It, yeah. it absolutely does have an effect. I, I spoke with a pilot uh, not that long ago. I, I believe it was this, uh, this last winter. It was the winter of 21-22. And the general area where I had sheep hunted and shot my ram on a solo hunt in 2021 uh there was a pilot that had kind of flown over the area in mm-hmm. the winter time uh, i believe it was in december or january 
And he had told me that just in that area alone, he had found seven or eight dead sheep and there was wolf tracks that, you know, a pack had moved through, caught a group of them low enough. They were all hunkered together, you know, whether that was just during a snowstorm or they were in the bottom of a, of a particular drainage in the willows, just trying to eat willows Mm -hmm. and the wolves found them and made hay, you know, that's that, wolves are killers. And if they find seven yeah. sheep, they're going to kill seven sheep. And I would they're say for just, anybody that they're not that, just going to kill a couple. Yeah. For anybody that doesn't know and doesn't like study wolves. Yeah. There's, they are sport killers. They're, they're kind of like, the, like the cats, you know, like they're uh, natural born killers. Yeah. Like if, mountain lions will do the same thing. If they're, it, if it moves, they're going to try to kill. They'll it. train yeah. for, or they'll kill for training. You yeah. know, they'll train their young, they'll yeah. kill for sport, kill just because they have nothing better to do yeah. they're a very destructive animal so yes predators play a part in certain mountain ranges golden eagles will kill sheep you know i i've seen i've seen, videos I, I, I've seen quite really? a number of golden eagles that, that. that'll kind of harass a band of sheep you know that, yep. it, it's generally the, the the lambs you know if they can corner them on a cliff face and try to push it away from from the ewe which is i should clarify a lamb is a young sheep and, Most people should have that and one. <laughs> a, and a U E W E is a female sheep. Yep. That is the mother yep. sheep. Yes. yes. So anyway, I, I I have seen golden eagles in sheep areas that I've hunted mm-hmm. in you know different parts of the state, and I, I haven't seen it happen, but I've been told, and I I don't doubt it. Some I've these, seen videos of some it, of yeah. these golden eagles are pretty huge animals, and it, you know big old birds, and they, it wouldn't surprise me if they'd push one off a cliff and eat it. it oh, wouldn't yeah. surprise me at all. So anyway, moving on from that into the next part, wintertime, like I said, is mm-hmm. the most uh, um, most dramatic cause of right. fluctuation yeah. in sheep numbers. Well, and that's going to change that, the uh, that, predation amount as well. Right, as yeah. It will, yeah. So, so that being said, I don't 100% agree with the theory that sheep numbers have been declining and declining and declining over the years. Well, I don't think they're saying that is man-made by any stretch, but it's just... We've just had a, a stretch of bad winters, I think, is the general yes. consensus there. But if if you look back in the old sheep number, you know, um, biologist counts and right. biology records in Alaska, did there used to be more animals? Yes. 110%. It's never going to return to that. The North American continent used to have hundreds <laughs> of thousands of animals there, but right. it isn't right to judge a landscape off of what it was pre-population increase Correct. you know not, to be fair not, most of these places don't have a population right increase, not though. that population always plays into effect however yeah. the amount of hunting pressure does and when when a place like alaska goes through a stage okay late 1800s alaska exploration right early 1900s gold rush alaska all of a sudden is on the map mid 1900s alaska gains statehood yeah. But what happens in between the gold rush and statehood? A lot of hunting. A whole lot of market hunting. Yeah. Market Railroads hunting, are being built. Mm-hmm. Mines are going in. And how are you going to feed all these old boys? We know exactly. How, how did the sourdoughs eat? Yeah. They would climb up those hills every day. Got, yeah. No, they, they would pay a guy like Frank Glasser well, right. to yeah. go out with a rifle and that's, go that's shoot what it meant. five yeah. or six it's tall like sheep the, um, for dinner that night. It, yeah. They were the late... The, the last of the Daniel Boone types. Yeah. Yeah. Alaska's basically. market hunters were, I believe, the last of the mountain men. That's my personal opinion. That's fair. 
Oh yeah, Frank, Frank Glasser was pounding the sheep hills and shooting multiple rams in a day, yeah. following the forty mile caribou herd around for let's just call it research is what they <laughs> called it in the book. He was there to kill grizzly bears and wolves, and he did it with strychnine bombs. If I'm not yeah. mistaken, is he that did, he did? Is he that used, correct? He used those. He used cyanide. That, that's, that's what he I was used, thinking. It yeah. was some, yeah, some, uh, something along those lines. But and he was killing grizzly with, with like a two twenty, two twenty like, swift. Yeah, two twenty swift. That was yeah. one. Of, that was one of his pet <laughs> babies. I think, like I, fun. I, th- I think he said it took eleven shots to finally take the bear down. Yeah, that, that was on the one in the. Uh, to, to be fair, or to, to be fair, that, this that is back in the day or? in a bolt action rifle. So you think bolt action and eleven rounds. So was was he shooting? This he dude going, was reloading a lot. Was he going vitals or? I don't no, think he no. This, he was, this bear was like 10 feet away. Okay. This, was, this particular grizzly bear was in Box Canyon okay. down by the Black Rapids Glacier, and it was in springtime, and he had at least one dog. I believe there were two dogs. I think it was. No, I'm thinking of a different one. I think I, it was Queenie that was chasing that this one, bear up and down Box Canyon, and every so, time it so, would come by, he'd shoot at it again. So that one was with a 30 out 6. Was it really? The one okay. with the 220 Swift was actually up in the White Mountains when he was following the, the caribou herd there. Was that the one that he shot that just came out of a den or something in the springtime? He shot one up the hill, or at the beginning of the trek. He came around the corner, and it was sitting up on the mountainside. That's the one I'm thinking And that's thinking the one of. that didn't go away. Okay, yeah. And yeah. then he had another one later on mm-hmm. that stepped out of the brush like 10 feet away from him. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's the one he had, the 220 Swift, because he was wolf hunting. Okay. So, yes. so not to get off track too much. <laughs> Sorry. We Sorry. both really love this book. Yes. Frank so. Glasser is... <laughs> I need to read that is, book. Uh, it's amazing. Like the king of Alaska. But Alaska's wolf, man. Yeah. Go check it out. Yeah. Anyway, it's, so that being said, there was a huge push and a huge stress on the game population in that time. Mm-hmm. We went from hundreds of thousands of caribou down around Nenana area. I mean, it, Frank Glasser talks about oh, yeah. a caribou herd that doesn't even exist anymore. Correct. Wow. They're yeah. gone. By, like thousands of them. He walked through them like a sea. But he was... said that he, he said all day he was never out of view of this entire herd. Everywhere he looked was just caribou. Yikes. <laughs> there aren't caribou there anymore. No. It, it's gone. If you ever saw a caribou there now, you'd be like, well, what's that doing here? Mm-hmm. You know? Wow. So anyway... Not to say that that time period completely turned Alaska's sheep population upside down, but it had an effect. It does have a a lasting effect. They had bad winters back then, just like we do right now. And then as we were more aware of game populations, as Mm -hmm. time has gone on and we learned to care about this kind of stuff. Right. National parks became a thing. Yeah. You know, conservation, need to protect. conservation all of a sudden became a thing that we cared about as Americans because we realized, whoa, where did all the buffalo go? <laughs> you know, <laughs> where did all of our, um, I, I mean. Do you know how many were in the park when they actually made it a park at Yellowstone? Wasn't it like less than 100? 23. Yeah. Yeah. Have, yeah. you, have you read American Buffalo? Not yet. Let's not get sidetracked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying it's a good read. Yes. You read it. Yes. Anyway, so. Alaska's numbers did decline, but mm-hmm. then as, as, uh, as biology became more of a forefront in, right. in the hunting world and conservation all of a sudden became a thought and hunting publications were all of a sudden advocating for shooting trophy animals. Right. Yeah. After statehood, at, I, and I, I, I really should know this, but at some point there was a seven-eighths curl Mm-hmm. Um, rule instated into the sheep hunting regulations where it had to be 
curled out, and and the seven eighths rule was basically eyeball, as I understand it. it okay, that e- sounds right. Either eyeball or just pass something somewhere in there. Seven eighths curl, as long as it was within X Y Z of full curl. And to be fair, the quality of the glass that they were looking at these sheep with back then was sure. So not we can good. give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> but even then, there were a lot more sheep in the mountains in the seventies and the eighties, and and then right. it went to full curl because yeah. they wanted to manage for trophies. Now, at the same time, in the 1950s and 1960s, mm-hmm. you had a couple of guys on Kodiak Island, um, um, Morris Tallifson and Bill Pinnell, I believe are their names. And, I, and, and if I got the names wrong, it's just the first names, but I, I believe that's correct. There's a book about them called The, the Last of the Great Brown Bear Men. And That sounds like a good read. These, yeah. these two guys started what became the most publicized outfit of their time for brown bear hunting, for trophy brown bear hunting. This is in the 1950s, okay? Mm -hmm. Nobody knew that Alaska existed on the hunting world except for, you know, in these often dreamland. Right. But then all of a sudden a photo of these two guys with a huge brown bear nailed to the side of a shack makes it into a newspaper somewhere. Mm -hmm. And... As we would think of it, it went viral. Right. Everybody in the lower 40s saw that picture in hunting magazines and publications, and, and, and they, they put it into an ad, and all of a sudden, everybody mm-hmm. wants to go to Kodiak Island. My point there is trophy hunting and Alaska becoming a destination location to hunt all of a sudden yeah. went through the roof. So now people are starting to manage. Guides are emerging onto the scene in the 50s, 60s, mm. 70s, 80s. And by the 70s and 80s, 80s, the guiding industry was well into swing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of guys were well set up doing a lot of different uh, species hunts, moose, caribou, doll sheep, mountain goat, black-tailed deer by that point, brown bear, black bear, you name it, they were hunting it. But they were starting to manage for trophy class animals, even with doll sheep. So we see a distinct difference in the number of sheep harvested when that full curl, uh, full curl regulation was imposed from then until now is generally what a lot of guys look at as kind of the overall uh, trends in sheep mm-hmm. numbers. And that's where you can really start to actually uh, decipher what the numbers actually were of mature rams on the slopes. Okay. So I have a question about all of that real quick. Okay. So we talked about, you know, about 400 killed. And yeah. just under 10% of those were illegal. Yeah. Right, yeah. 2022. What are some previous year's numbers killed? In like a really, really great year, yeah. it was, I, I don't quote me on this. I, 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 I'm sure one of us can look it up as we're talking here. But right. I want to say I've read over 800 yeah. and approaching 1,000 killed on a good year. Now, that being said, I want to kind of try to wrap up what I was going after there. I kind of went off. Uh, yeah, uh, on a lot of historical <laughs> stuff. Hey, it's all good. Good information. But bring it back. So, from the '80s and on, after the full curl regulation was instated, we saw what became the standard. Okay, well, this year, this many rams were killed. Yeah, the right. next year, we judged it off of last year. Mm-hmm. In the mid to late '90s, I believe it was somewhere in that time frame, either late '80s or '90s. At some point, 20A crashed. Yeah, that's the Healy area. That's north of Cantwell. All of 20A 
the Wood River drainage, yeah. which is made popular by a lot of hunters in those older days, in, in the 60s, that was a very popular destination to go. Fred Bear, Glen St. Charles, um, wrote a book about it, Bows on the Little Delta. Very well-known book mm-hmm. about hunting the Wood River. Man, we've read a lot of really good books. Yeah. Book. So 20A crashed in, uh, during the full curl regulation. Right. Just crashed. Which, and, for the record, the full curl regulation is a very good regulation as yes. far as conservative. Yes. Conservation. Goals. I should say that and, and clarify what the full curl regulation is. A ram's tips of his horns mm-hmm. has to make all the way up, back around, down, and then back up to where the tip is level with the base of its horns. Not a perfect circle. Right. That's garbage. Correct. Yeah. The old uh, schematic that was in fish and games regulations was garbage. They mm-hmm. have better ones now, but. And the, and the only caveat the old that ones is sorry, go ahead. the eight-year eight yes. eight ring. So, so either full curl or eight years old mm-hmm. or broomed on one side, which is missing right. the entire lamb tip on one side and full curl on the other, or broomed on both sides. Correct. Or eight years old and he can be half curl yes. if you can count the rings or the annuli. And that would basically be equivalent to 50-inch four-brow time. You know, the four brow time would, if you find one that's that's sub 50, but still has four sure. brow time, it's still, right. that's, if you find that, one that's, that's that not, minimum, that's not full curl, but it is eight years old. Right. You're still legal. So back to what I was saying, 28 crashed. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, and that, this is, this is coming from a biologist that I spoke to about this. He said 28 crashed and we don't remember that now. Nobody talks about it. You, you don't hear guys talking about the crash in 20A that happened 25 or 35 years ago. Why? Because in 10 years, it was fine. Mm-hmm. People were back in there hunting. Coke Wallace owns Midnight Sun Safaris. He's been down in Healy operating a guiding operation for a long time. Well-known, established guide out of Healy. 20A is not doing all that great right now. That's, that has historically been the highest density of sheep anywhere in the state within one subunit. Right. In any game management unit, 20A, that, that part of the state there in the Alaska range has traditionally held a ton of sheep. Right. But it's gotten a lot of hunting attention, and a lot of guys are trying to blame it on that. But it's not hunters that are shooting the sheep out. Here's why. A ram reaches breeding age far before he reaches legal shooting age. Oh, yeah. Far before. Long time before. Yeah. I believe a ram, and and this is something else we could look up while we're talking here to to just kind of verify our information. At what ram, at at what age does a dull sheep ram reach breeding age? I think it's four or five. Probably before that. So, even if it was only up to four or five years old, that Mm -hmm. gives him at least three years, two and a half years. So two and a half years. Female dull sheep reach sexual maturity at two and a half years old. Well, males attain a gusto at one and a half years of age. Oh, so wow. males can, can start breeding at one and a half years so old. So basically, the regulation if, if is you eight see, years. If you see a sickle horn ram on the mountain, he's spreading his genetics. So any ram that is legally able to be, t- able to be taken has had six and a half years to breed, spread the at genetics. Most. At most. At the most, So yeah. let's just cut it to a minimum. Let's just say four or five years. Yeah. That's a ton of time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Four or five years to spread his genetics into the gene pool. 
that's that's awesome. Yeah. You know? Like I said, that's it's a great. very good regulation for cons- conservation. Compare that to how old most of these white-tailed deer are that people are shooting in Wisconsin. <laughs> how old is the average buck shot in Minnesota every uh, year? Or two, Wisconsin? Or Kansas? Three, Or maybe. Oklahoma? Or Ohio? Or North Carolina? All these white-tailed deer... Guys talk about a six or seven year old white tail buck. That is a monster deer. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that deer has seen some stuff go down. That's why the most common thing, the most common comment you're gonna see on Facebook deer hunting, yeah, is should have given it another year. Give it another year. Yeah. Give it another year. Give it one more year. <laughs> a doll sheep it has to be at least eight years old off of annuli, mm-hmm. and usually a full curl ram, unless he just has crazy great genetics does not reach full curl until he's about seven or eight years old anyway. So if you're only shooting eight-year-old rams or older, that ram has already had the potential to be of breeding age for five or six years at this point. Yeah. So you're not shooting out of the population animals that can still contribute right? and that haven't been able to contribute yet. Mm. Now, they might still be able to, but by this point, they've already had five or six years to get the job done. Right. They've already done their job. There are already lambs on the mountain that are already of breeding age and are basically their great grandfathers by the time they're ready Correct. to be shot. Correct. Does that yeah. make sense? So the full curl slash eight-year-old rule is self-regulating for a population increase. You're not going to see a population decrease necessarily in the overall numbers steadily through the years Mm -hmm. from shooting all the eight-year-old rams. Now, what you will see is you'll see from one year to the next, okay, well, now all of a sudden, there's been a whole lot of hunting pressure. If you take a particular river system and you put 15 guys in there that are all really good sheep hunters, right? Yeah, and they go in there and they blast 15 rams over eight years old, guess what's not going to be in there next year? Right. 15 rams that are over eight years right. old. So the next year, you're going to be hunting an age class of like eight or nine instead of nine to 11, mm-hmm. right? So you'll shoot out that older age class if you can even get to all the right. older Which age class rams. Right, if the had some hard years, it might take them a little while to replace right. those legal animals. What else you'll see is gaps in legal rams, okay? Mm. A lot of times in a lot of great sheep areas, you'll see a band of sheep There'll be lambs and ewes, you know, probably 20 or 30 of them together hanging out. And then you'll see a band of rams. And what you'll see in a band of rams is, okay, that one's a sickle horn, which looks like what it sounds like. It's got a horn like a sickle. It's not quite full curl yet, not even close, not even a half curl yet. They almost look like like goat. Yeah, they're they're kind of goofy looking at that age. But, okay, that's a three- or a four-year-old, okay? Then the next one you're going to see is a banana ram. Okay, <laughs> he looks like he has a banana for a horn. That's what we call them as banana rams. And then you have a half curl ram, and that's exactly what it sounds like. He's a half curl ram. Right. Okay, mm-hmm. and that ram. Okay, he's five or six. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's not close yet. Then you've got a seven eighths ram. He's up to his eyeballs. Okay, he's probably. Ooh, yeah, he might be seven years old, maybe. Right. If I'm counting rings, right. If I'm, if I'm counting the annuli growth rings on his horns, if, I, if I'm that close enough, if I have that good a light through my spotting scope, I can distinguish annuli on a ram's horns. And then you have in the band usually one that's, oh boy, yeah, I, I, I think he's probably legal, you know. Now, this is in a good area, right? In, mm. in an ideal world, that's what you're going to see in a band of rams. 
Now, sometimes you'll see a big band all together and they're all like seven years old or older. And they're, mm-hmm. they're just, they're an experienced group of Rams and they all run together. And sometimes there'll be two or three, eight or nine year olds. And then you'll have like a 12 year old in the middle of them. that's double broomed and just a big, heavy old Ram. But a lot of times what I've seen is kind of a variance on the mountain. I'll see young Rams, I'll see middle-aged Rams, and then I'll see mature Rams. And those mature Rams, you know, those seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old sheep, you don't see many gaps once you're over the sickle horn stage. Mm-hmm. That means that you've had good winters for the last several years because there's no gap in that age class. Late breakups kill lambs. Right. The lambs don't survive that. So what you'll have if you have a really, really nasty winter. The lambs will all, uh, half the lambs will die or more. Right. And you'll have a big gap in the eight-year-olds, okay? And, and that's what they're, they're saying is happening with a lot so of So a lot of guys will go out and they'll kill the first legal ram they get, which that's fine. It's legal. You do what you think you need to do. If you're going to go out there and shoot the first legal sheep mm-hmm. you can get your glass on, good for you, man. You worked your tail off for that sheep. You earned it. Do what you want to do. If it's legal, I'm not going to talk bad about it. Right. Am I going to do it? Maybe not. Maybe I'm going to wait for a nine or a 10-year-old just because of how low the numbers are. But let's just say that someone goes out and shoots a legal ram every single year. Mm -hmm. And let's just say, for our example, that there is only going to be one legal ram in that drainage every single year. What's going to happen in four years, or I'm sorry, in eight years, if there's a really, really bad winter? One year, there's not going to be an eight-year-old ram there. He's going to skip a year. So that's what you're seeing happen across a lot of these different mountain ranges. And guides will tell you the same thing. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm seeing a gap in population numbers now. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. In, in the age of the population of rams that I'm seeing, usually I'm shooting nine and 10-year-old rams. And now all of a sudden, there's a year where it's just eight-year-olds. And there's, there's a gap in the age class of sheep in here. Well, Biologists will explain that to you in, okay, well, maybe in 2014, there was a really, really nasty winter. So in, you know, 2022, there's a gap in whatever that age class is, right? So so the winter die-off has a lot more to do with it than hunter pressure does. Now, that being said... Ram numbers are still low. Right. So there's still a whole lot of pressure. There's still a whole lot of pressure on guides to get rams on the ground. Mm. There's still a lot, a whole lot of pressure on these Instagram fanboy sheep hunters that walk out with all their brand new gear and their shiny new gun that they, you know, that they can shoot to five, six hundred yards. Sounds like your Instagram. New, <laughs> not at all, not at all. But good, good one, James. But all these guys that feel the pressure, right? Yeah, the peer pressure. That well, I want to be a sheep hunter, right? And and I'm guilty of it. I am. Well, but you also, I love sheep hunting, right? But and and I was at one point I was just cracking a in, in that you. stage. Yeah. I I was in the same place at one point, right? But you got to grow out of that and realize that there's, you know, it's okay to come out of the sheep hills and not kill a sheep. There's nothing wrong with that if you're passing on sublegal sheep. That's what you ought to do. And, and but so they get in there and they yeah. do. I, I would really love to know how many of those sublegal rams. You said 34. 34 sublegal 34 rams. 34 sublegal yes. sheep, and they were all within inches. Does it say what age class it, they were? 
it doesn't say the age class. It, 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 this is what I have here is just a picture of a PowerPoint that they brought to the meeting. They didn't say specifically what age class they were yeah. in. They didn't say anything, but majority of them, and, and for reference points here, of those 34 that were taken sublegal, 16 of those people were cited mm-hmm. with an actual offense, an actual sublegal penalty. So almost half. And lost their sheet. Yeah. 15 of those were warned for taking sublegal sheep. Don't uh, let this happen again. Lost their RAM still because it was still sublegal. Sounds like. Of those 15, the explanation I got was they were within a quarter to an eighth. Yeah, it sounds like those and guys probably self-reported that, hey. I, I, it, it was, and that's every single one of them was, it was their first offense. Right. Okay. So like, like you said, okay. going into they the hills. They got a warning, so, a small little fee. So, right. I'm, uh, so they're going into the hills, they're new sheep I'm going to dole out some advice, and everybody get out your pen and pad here <laughs> and listen to what I'm about to say. Quit trying to count rings on doll sheep if you haven't been on at least two or three sheep hunts and looked at a lot of rams. Mm. Quit trying to count rings. Now, it, you have an interesting perspective on this because I believe you've argued with with some people on this about counting rings about counting rings so uh, okay and, and and this is just in fr- from a fundamental spectrum there I'm gonna need you to clarify that at some point but <laughs> think about that for a bit so what I'm talking about here is a new sheep hunter mm-hmm. that hasn't looked at a bunch of sheep and I'm talking about looked at a bunch of sheep yeah like you need to be obsessed with sheep hunting to be good at it, okay? You need to, every time you walk into your local sportsman's warehouse, go walk around the wall on, on the outside of the, on, on, on the outside of the, uh, of, of the decorations and look at all the taxidermy, okay? Walk the perimeter of your sportsman's warehouse and look at every single sheep that's on that wall hey, and um, count rings. I'm going to make a little disclaimer here for Dalton's sake. Mm-hmm. We've goofed off and hunted together for a long time. Mm-hmm. You were obsessed with doll sheep oh, and yeah. doll sheep hunting for years. Yeah. Before I at ever least, put on a backpack to go do it. At least three or four years. Yeah. That where you were all kinds of information yep. and figuring out where they live, where the best places to go yeah. are. Tons of research, talking to lots of people, reading books. Yeah. And uh, anyway, and, and so yeah, you did the research. Yeah. So um, anyway, so go do your homework. Yeah. Look at a whole lot of sheep. Go on, uh, I mean, go on Wild Sheep Foundation. They mm-hmm. have a lot of good information out there. I don't love everything that Wild Sheep Foundation does necessarily. I'm not going to get off into the weeds about that. But for the love of all that's good in the world, <laughs> don't go out sheep hunting for your first time or even your second time yeah. and act like you are, act like you are um, Jack O'Connor the ultimate sheep hunter and go out there and count rings. I know guys that are really good at counting rings that can, without a shadow of a doubt, count rings on, on, on a ram and where they're hunting and have confidence that that ram is exactly eight years old and he'll shoot it even if it's not full curl because he knows it's eight years old. Those are veterans though. These guys have looked at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sheep in person. Yes. Through their own spotting scope. Not just sheep. Rams. Yes. 
rams that's a very because uh, th- i've seen a lot of sheep yeah, yeah. <laughs> i haven't seen a lot of yeah, rams. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's a good yes point good clarification so that's number one and i man you said 16 were charged with a with an actual with offense an actual offense and 15 no. were let off with a warning three and of it, them are still pending and three still pending yeah. okay all of them lost their sheep though. yes you do not get to keep a sublegal sheep and that so, alone should be enough of a don't in ah. in alaska you have to have your ram sealed by the alaska department of fish and yes. game after you shoot it okay so basically what they do is they they drill a hole in the back of your horn on one side and they put a little plug in it to seal it and it's got a little number on it and uh that is required for any doll sheep shot in the state okay that's how they that's just their record system that's a wild sheep foundation thing that they adopted quite a number of years ago and and for there's some back and forth about that i don't love it i don't like watching (laughs) them taking a dewalt drill and a a mallet to my hard-earned trophy Mm -hmm. but that's just one man's opinion so anyway so there is a legal sealing process that you have to go through after you kill a ram if you want to get a taxidermied any yep. taxidermist is going to look at your ram horns and go, well, how come the sucker ain't sealed? And then he's yep. going to start asking some <laughs> questions. Yep. So you have to take it in to get it sealed. And that's why a lot of these guys get the stage fright walking up on their rams. They shoot it and they walk up to it. And, oh, boy, I, I hope I didn't just mess up. I'll admit, it's the first thing I said when I shot my first ram. I was mm-hmm. by myself and I was, man, I was stressed out. I shot my ram at 98 yards yeah. facing me. So I, I was able to do a good horizontal stick test with my crosshairs and my scope as my last resort. I'm just going to double, double check. I've seen him from both sides. I know he's curled on both sides. I know yep. he's full curl, but I just want one more way to tell that he's, that he's legal. Let me interject here real quick. Go for it. You say he's full curl on both sides. Yes. Is that the reg? Now I, now, I know that's to be safe, but in the, in the moose world, you only have to have four right. brow tines or three brow tines on one side. You don't... Uh, well, also in the moose world, if you do a spike fork, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it has to be a spike or fork on one side. The other side could have a full, huge paddle, but if you've got a spike on one side, oh, it's really? still a legal bull. Yeah. All right, folks, I want to take a second to tell you about a product I found this last year and have absolutely fallen in love with. It's the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. I used one on a recent black-tailed deer hunt in southeast Alaska, and it did a great job of keeping the salt water and debris out of the action and also protecting the scope of my rifle from getting knocked around and damaged. On top of all that, the carry handle made it easy to transport the rifle to and from the boat during the hunt. When it got wet from rain and ocean spray, I hung it up at camp to dry at night, and it was always dry in 20 minutes or less. Stealthy Hunter also offers a wide variety of nutritional supplements for the outdoorsman, such as CBD oils, essential vitamins, turmeric, and bone broth. In the gear shop, they also have a lightweight first aid kit, glassing pads, and stuff sacks to organize your gear and your pack. Go check out Stealthy Hunter's website and use the code THENORTHERNHUNTER at checkout to get a discount on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. Hey 
Hey guys, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you've likely heard Dalton and I go back and forth about bullet construction, and how I like rapid expanding bonded core bullets that leave massive wound channels. I've also stated I would never use a monolithic bullet. Well, I'm here to tell you about the company that finally changed my mind. Hammer Bullets produces what I would consider the most premium and best working monolithic bullets on the market today. These bullets are designed so that after penetrating the hide of an animal, the front half of the bullet explodes, shedding its petals and imparting massive damage to the vital areas while retaining the rear shank for maximum penetration, effectively closing the gap between lead core and monolithic construction. The guys at Hammer designed these bullets with 100% focus on how they perform once they reach their destination. But don't let that fool you. These bullets have amazing VCs and have specialized pressure groups built in for amazing inherent accuracy. They have a minimum velocity rating of 1800 feet per second, which allows for long range shots, but have no maximum velocity, making them perfect for every cartridge from your granddaddy's old 3030 to the high velocity rounds like the Weatherby 3378 without having to worry about your bullet failing. They've also recently partnered with Weatherby to provide factory ammunition for a multitude of cartridges. To view their expansive selection and find the perfect match for your hunting needs, go to hammerbullets.com to buy yours today and drop the hammer on your next adventure. Everybody knows that one of the most important pieces of a hunter's kit is their knife. Whether you're looking for a fleshing blade, a skinning blade, or just a quality, multi-purpose knife for the backcountry, Yukon River Knives has what you need. They offer blades such as the Hunter, Small Game, and the Sendero Bush Knife. Yukon River Knives is based in Texas and has a unique mission goal in that a percentage of all knife sales go to support a missionary in Alaska. Now Dalton, you've experienced with these knives in the field. Talk to us about that. As a matter of fact, I have used a few of their knives and watched my good friend Remy use them for years with great results. They have a micarta handle that doesn't get slippery when it gets wet, and they have phenomenal edge retention for long skinning jobs. Go check out our web link on thenorthernhunter.com and that'll take you directly to Yukon River Knives website to see their full selection and order your knives for your next hunt with the discount code THENORTHERNHUNTER at checkout. And remember, nothing replaces a quality hunting knife. So, Alaska Department of Fish and Game regulations on page 33 talks about identifying a legal ram. Okay. It says a legal ram under a full curl regulation is a full curl ram whose tip of at least one horn has grown through 360 degrees of a circle described by the outer surface of the horn as viewed from side figure one. A ram with the tips of both horns broken which means the lamb tip is completely absent. Horn tips that are chipped or cracked are not considered broken if any portion of the lamb tip is present. So, whose tip of at least one horn has grown to full curl. Okay. So, just one side has to be full curl. So but anyway, two is safe. Right. 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 So, anyway, like I said, I had my ram at 98 yards in the scope, and the last thing I did before I put the crosshairs down at the base of his neck at the top of his chest for a full frontal shot was I'm going to check it for the stick test to make sure that it's legal this way as well. So I put the crosshairs up right on the top of his forehead and that gave me a perfectly horizontal line to measure a stick test if his lamb tips were up at or past full curl on both sides. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that confirmation. Yep. And that's the last thing I remember before I settled down on the front of the chest to take the shot. So 
Anyway, that being said, I wasn't counting rings on that ram because right. he wasn't much past full curl. He was just past full curl, probably a half inch on each side. He was eight years old. Um, anyway, so go off of full curl if you're a new sheep hunter. Yeah. Full curl yeah. or if it's very obviously broomed off. And mm-hmm. I just read the regulations on the podcast. The lamb tip has to be gone. If it's just split at the end and part of that lamb tip is still there, and, and if you don't know what a lamb tip is, go into Fish and Game and talk to somebody about oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. They have, they they have, have sample horns. They have, a, they have a box of sheep horns that they'll explain. This is what full curl looks like. You know, physically looking at a ram, this is what full curl is. This yep. is what seven-eighths is. Yeah. This is what a lamb tip is. This is this is the lamb tip inside groove, and this is where that lamb tip bulge is right there. Right, and that's what has to be completely gone for it to be considered broomed. There's a lot of guys, I'm sure, that have mistaken a broomed ram because they see kind of a rounded off end, and they think, oh, he's yeah. broomed. Right, he doesn't have to be full curl. Kaboom! And then they walk up well, to him, and he's got half of a lamb tip on one side, and, and he's only seven years old. And that that's a very well, sheep. Very well, could have been several of these. They didn't go into right. detail on what each one was. I, but. I would be willing to bet that the fifteen that got off with a warning mm-hmm. were seven year old that were super close on curl. Yeah, well, they super said super close within a quarter inch. Right. Which and I, mean, I, I would be also willing to bet that the 16 that were actually charged mm. with whatever the charges ended up being, I'll bet those 16, they were either close or not quite there, whether blatant or obvious. Mm. I, I'm sorry, whether obviously and blatant or by the skin of their teeth, but they weren't seven years old. If a ram, oh, yeah. if a ram is seven and he's just under full curl, they're going to go, oh, man, I know he's only seven, but you almost had him at full curl. They're probably going to give you a little more squeeze right. room there. So I think there's a lot more to be said for. If it's like, all right, dude, come on, man. This thing obviously well, is a five or six-year-old ram with just super good genetics, and you just blasted him halfway through his adult life, and he's just barely almost a full curl, yep, but yep. can't you see how many rings are on this thing? You know, Right. Or, now, I, now, and, and, and it could have been that it was like a three-quarter curl ram. Oh, yeah. And somebody just completely oh, screwed yeah. up. And, now, you know. I, I want to stress this point, though. When it says that these 15 people did not get charged, it yeah. means that they don't have to go to court. They, don't have to, they might have to pay a small fine. So, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so that's but, not right. That's not but, right. Hold on. They do hold have on. to go to court. If, if they're not charged? You still have to go appear in court. There oh, is still okay. A, okay. There, you still get the warning. You still have to appear in court, mm-hmm. and they're going to decide what your fee that you have to pay is going to be. You don't get the full misdemeanor charge. Oh, okay. Is it like a minimum that? game violation penalty, like three hundred so, bucks? But, but I have experience in this with this <laughs> oh, with right. a similar situation, right. oh. not with sheep. <laughs> um, I self-reported, took care of everything mm-hmm. I need to take care of. We'll talk about that another time. But what I was going to say is, I think the better, honestly, what really happened here is those sixteen didn't self-report when they realized they were wrong. Maybe not all of them, but probably some of them. Some of them may have, and it was blatant. We don't know the full story. But I think every one of those 15 that they were easy on said, went, called the troopers and said, I shot a sublegal ram. Or thought it was legal. Well, hold on, hold on. And and, because we're going to get into that here in a little bit. But I want to really drive this point home. None of them 
kept their sheep. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. They yeah. might not have had to pay three thousand dollars in fees, and they might not have had to lose their hunting rights for the next calendar year, and they yeah. might not yeah. have had to surrender. They their might truck, not have their gun, yeah. their four yeah, wheelers, exactly. their, their firstborn child, everything. And, and a sheep hunter, but you're surrendering your you're surrendering your spotting scope. <laughs> That's about <laughs> as much as a truck. You're, but <laughs> they lost their horns. Right. They lost their hides. Yeah. They lost their meat. Yeah. And that. Yeah. And, and all because they shot on the borderline. Yeah. Because they maybe got a little too trigger happy. They maybe stared at it for two hours when they should have stared at it for four hours. And here, here's just, here's another danger. Be careful, people. Here's a danger about that. There are false rings. There are false annuli on sheep horns. Yeah. Okay. There are a lot of good sheep hunters out there that are really, really good sheep hunters that still, after hundreds of sheep hunts, refuse to even begin to count rings on the yeah. ring. Now, there's some discrepancy even in, with biologists on what counts as rings and doesn't count as rings, correct? Yes. That, that, that's, man, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> we don't have time to get into that. Some, some other time when I can actually have a sheep biologist on the show and yeah. talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I was actually saying we need to We should that. talk about that with somebody who knows a lot right. more about why yeah. that is. But yes, there are some discrepancies in, in, in that. But anyway, Point being, there there are guides that I know mm-hmm. that even after hundreds of sheep hunts, still refuse to count rings on any sheep, even if it's wow, look at the mass on that thing, and he's big and he's heavy, but he's not quite full curl and he's mm-hmm. not broomed off. But man, I think I can see like ten rings there. He still won't let it be shot. Right. He's gonna say, well. If he's almost full curl, if if he's a quarter inch shy right now, and we just can't be for sure that he's full right. that he's full curl right now, and if he's ten years old, bummer. Yeah, he'll be full curl when he's eleven, and he'll walk away from that ram. Yep. And I, I I've gotten more respect for that guy oh, than yeah. I've got for the guy that's going to say, man, yeah, he he looks like he's full curl. Right. Yeah, I I I think we're good, and then he's going to take the shot, and. All of a sudden, you lose your entire ram, and you could you could potentially lose a guide license over that. Mm. And I mean, please don't ever try to hide. No, a so, sublegal yeah. ram or or or, or any right. illegally taken game for that matter. If you mess up, if you shoot a sublegal animal, turn yourself in. Do the report work. Right. the get your meat. Report the yep. kill. Hand it over, and they're going to treat you a whole lot differently. Than if the sheep hunter two ridges over watched you shoot it, and now you're piling rocks on top of it and yeah. trying to get away with it. If, if that ain't gonna work out well for you in the end. If you're convicted in Alaska of taking illegal game, yeah, um, they'll take your birthday away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, not the birthday. Yeah, no, the, it is. It's not just. That, okay, well, I had a wildlife violation in Alaska. Yeah. That's not how it works. Yeah. It is if, if you got a it warning. It turns into a felony is what it turns it's, into. It's a felony. It's a misdemeanor. Yeah. You have a criminal record once that happens. Yeah. It, it's not just, oh. From um, an animal. Correct. From an if animal. If you shoot yeah. a uh, sublegal ramp. Yep. And you are kind of not sure if it's legal or not. Yeah. And you go in going, oh, I'm not sure if it's legal or not. When you go to get it sealed, you're yeah. going to get slapped. Yeah. And you're going to get slapped hard with a misdemeanor. You're probably going to lose some equipment. Yeah. And they don't, everybody's not treated the same. Yeah. No. By they, any means. Yeah. Those 15 guys yeah. probably treated pretty close to the same. Those 16 guys, yeah. it would have ranged from losing hunting rights and fines yeah. to losing all their gear, depending on how bad they did, right. depending on their attitude. Yeah. 
all that kind of stuff. So much of that has to do with a lot of that. And and the troopers do use their personal discretion. They do. If you, like Dalton had said, if you're an innocent first time sheep hunter and you're within an eighth of an inch and you really thought it was legal and you you really thought you had the rings and and it it just happened to be an innocent mistake, they're not going to send you to... No, it goes, you know, that will go the, on your through record. Through the ringer. Like it does go on your violation. ringer. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, and it'll be a little, it'll be a small fine. You do have to show up to court where if they'll have a, uh, it'll probably be a um, a plea deal. Yeah. And you can accept the plea deal. Yeah. Depending on what it is, it'll be a small little, you know, anywhere from, not for the RAM, it'll probably be at least, I don't know, 500 bucks. Yeah. Gotcha. Three to 500, something like that. <laughs> something See, like I thought that. the warning meant they didn't have to pay and, that. And, I mean, I don't know. No, so but... so with the warning, you do have to pay. Okay. So so there's there's multiple fees involved in that. We don't have to yeah. get into all that now. But there's like, what's the animal worth? You have to pay that cost yeah. gotcha. if, if you're completely convicted. Yeah. But if you're not and you get the warning, you just pay like a, like a, like a slap on the wrist fee. Yeah. Gotcha. But anyway, yeah, we can move so on. So one question I really wanted to talk to yeah. you about. Yeah. So of those 34 sublegal sheep, 12 were taken on guided hunts. Wow. So now, and the, the troopers, you know, he did state that only three of the defendants that were actually cited uh, came from guided hunts. So that's, that's a much lower so three, percentage. Three out of 12 got cited. Three, Eight got three out of 12 of the guided hunts that were sublegal rams yes. got cited with now, the full deal. With the full deal. Eight got let off. One is still pending. Now, Eight? what I have a question for okay. is, and I, I, it's more of a curiosity of how often this happens. What yeah. he said, and, and the reference that they used is, if you're on a guided hunt, uh-huh. and you're looking through a spotting scope and binoculars and looking far away, yeah. and there might be two rams on one hillside, yeah. the guide is pointing out ram A. Yeah. It's full curl. He's looked yeah. at it. It's, right. it's perfectly legal. Everything you've just said client shoots ram b that's on you man how often does does that how often does that happen i've never had it happen (laughs) like like just statistically like how often do you think that scenario is likely and sheep hunting is the most stressful hunt anybody can guide yeah that's 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 my experience and that's the opinion of a whole lot of other people that i've hunted with and guided with i can only imagine sheep hunting is pretty stressful because you're trying to get somebody or multiple people up a sheep mountain that have probably never done it before. Mm. So there's that aspect. Maybe they brought the wrong gear. Maybe they are overweight. Maybe they didn't train right. Maybe they had different expectations. But yeah. Maybe they thought they were going to be sheep hunting out of a base camp. Right. And it, it, these situations happen every year in Alaska. And we're going to cover, by the way, on a future episode, if you're coming to Alaska on a guided hunt, things that you need to be prepared for oh, yeah. how to prepare yourself for a guided hunt in alaska and we'll do it species by species i yeah that yep, i fullheartedly agree. we have plans in we in should place. have remington on for like the bear one of those yeah or we have plans in place and some guests to come on and talk about that specifically but that being said that in and of itself because of the physical exertion that goes into a doll sheep hunt because of the amount of miles that you're going to cover usually on a sheep hunt there's just a lot of pressure on the guides to basically be this fitness and performance coach mm-hmm. on a sheep hunt. And then the weather is terrible and you're always dealing with wind and rain and it always seems to be raining during sheep season. I don't, you know, I, I can probably count on one hand it's the number of days it's been rain in sheep season this last fall on me. But 
With that being said, sheep hunting is extremely stressful just because of what it is. On top of that, then when you find a ram, like I just explained, you got to go through all these steps. Right. Now, obviously, if you're a guide, you've done this before. You're doing all this in your head. You're not explaining all this and, you know, thinking out loud. You're just doing this and it just, eventually it just becomes natural. You just know how to, you know what to look for in a spotter. You know, a lot of good guides, if you're within a couple of miles of a ram and yeah. you have decent light and not, not too much glare, you know, obviously no fog and all that stuff going on. If you can see a good ram from a mile and a half away or closer, you can pretty much tell pretty quick if he's legal or not, or if he's worth getting a closer look at. Right. Oftentimes, a a lot of guides will say, if you say he's not legal once, stick to it. Trust your first instinct. If you get a good look at him and you say, no, he's not legal, walk away. Don't try to convince yourself. Quit looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Quit sitting there staring at it. And the same goes for moose. If you don't think he's 50, as soon as he steps out at 500 yards and looks straight down the tube of your spotting scope, (laughs) and you say, Nope. They don't don't stare yeah. at them. Don't yeah. stare at them or go into 200 and say, I just need a closer look. Because they will grow. Because, yeah, <laughs> a, a, 40, a 47-inch moose looks pretty big at 200 yards. Yeah. And there's been a whole pile of guys that do that every year, and they shoot a, a high 40s bull that they could have swore was 55 that has crab claws for brow tines on each side. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. four is what I'm getting at. Anyway, so if your first instinct on a ram the, the rule that I live by with sheep hunting is if I say he's not legal once, he ain't legal. Mm. And I'm not going back on myself because that's a good way to end up with a citation and a suspended guide license. Right. So that's number one. Number two is if, if you're not 100% sure, don't, don't be afraid to just not answer a client. If a client yeah. is pestering you saying, man, is, is he legal? Is he legal? They love to ask you that, and obviously they're on a they're on a very expensive paid hunt. Oh yeah, yeah. there's a lot riding on them. Probably financially. very inexperienced. It's like, it's like a little kid saying, "Are we there yet?" Right, and so they're <laughs> they're asking you, "Is he legal? Is he legal?" And they're crawling up behind you. Can I see him? Can I look? And they look through your spotter, or they look through your phone scope, and he, <laughs> there's a lot of pressure on the guide to right. say, "Well, I no." Or, yeah, 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 man, he's legal. He's good. We're going to go after this one. You kind of got to be very blatant. So, well, what I did (laughs) and what the other guides that I worked with this last fall did, we all just ended up doing the same thing. I don't know yet. I'm still looking for a better look. I'm waiting for him to turn a little bit. I'm waiting for him to give me a better look. And I was. I already knew in in the back of my head, man, I'm pretty sure this one's good. Mm. Or, nope, I can tell from here that he ain't going to be legal. But. You know, I just sat down and I'm pretty tired and I just want to sit here for a minute, you know? Right. So now, and that being said, if you are an experienced sheep hunter, I don't, man, I don't know anybody that counts rings on a ram Mm -hmm. from a mile and a half away. He ain't doing it. You got to get into under a mile for that. And it has to be specific to range. Yeah. You know, different ranges, like up in the Brooks range where there's willows for these rams to rub on in some places, Mm -hmm. anywhere that the rams can rub on willows, they're going to get dark horned and they're going to get really difficult to distinguish annuli rings on their horns. In the areas where they're not around the willows at all and and, and their horns are super light colored. Yeah. Man, those big dark rings stick out like a sore thumb and a a six-year-old could tell you how many rings are on their head. 
And so that's, yeah, that's ring counting for entry-level sheep hunters. And that's awesome. And if you're in an area like that, go in there in the middle of June and July and find a bunch of rams and start practicing. Take a bunch of photos of them through a phone scope and then go back to your local fish and game biologist and say, how old is this sheep? Yeah. And measure it up on what you thought it was and ask him what he thinks mm-hmm. it is. And if he says, you're off, man, you said he was eight or nine and this dude's five, then you know <laughs> you got to go back to the drawing board. You got to go back to school, man. Okay. So that being said, yes, as, as a guide, there's an immense amount of pressure. Yeah. And what yeah, are the ramifications for that? Man, if it's a blatant violation, I, I, now, I, I, I bet you those three guys lost I, their lives. I got to well, think. No, that, now here's the thing. Those were the hunters. They did clarify that not in every case, not, not in every case the guide got cited to. Sometimes okay. the guide will if they, you know, put them on a sublegal sheep. But there are a lot of cases. The person who pulls the trigger is the ultimate responsibility. Right. You know, and, and that's Boy, true. I have a hard time buying but, into that one. But man, but here, here, here's here's the thing, and this is back to what you were asking me earlier. Um, your original question about this was, whose fault do you kind of choose it to be? If right. there's Ram A, Ram B. Ram A is nine years old and tipped out on both sides and is about yeah. two inches past full curl on, on both sides. Yeah. Obviously legal. Ram B laying 15 feet behind Ram A in the exact same position on the mountain, facing the exact same way, chewing food just like Ram A is, and they both look <laughs> Which does big happen. to a client. Which does happen. Ram B is a seven-year-old that is barely up to his eyeballs curl. Mm-hmm. Well, trigger goes off, client kills Ram B. Now what? Yeah. In my books, the guide failed to communicate. Hmm. Now, that being said, can a mistake happen? Yes. Right. Could a guide do everything in his power to say, shoot the one on the left? You know, maybe that's a case where... You know, last minute, the uh, Ram B walks past Ram A, and the client just takes not paying enough attention. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in my mind, there's always something better a guide can do. And there are a whole lot of guys that I've worked with and worked for that would all say the same thing. <laughs> Man, that's the guide's fault. That, that is 100% that's, your that's screw up. That's good to up. hear. That's good that to hear. That is your fault. You are responsible. If that yeah. dude slipped and fell off a cliff, guess who's going to get blamed in it right. if it was preventable by you giving him better direction? Right, right. Yeah. Having said, no, 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 let's not go up this way. Let's go around that way. Maybe he wouldn't have died. Now, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, but in right. every other aspect of the hunt, the guide's right. responsible for what happens. You know, so yeah. in my mind, I I don't see how that changes on a sublegal ram harvest. Yeah, and, and I think I, the I troopers the do way. take that into consideration yeah. when they're. If, I just think I don't know if I'm not a hundred and ten percent confident, right. That my client is looking at the same animal I am, whether it's a caribou or a doll sheep or a grizzly bear or a moose, be it what may. Yeah. I've got to know that he's looking at the same animal I am, or I'm not letting him pull the trigger. You know, and, and directions, when you're looking through spotting scopes and you're trying to give other people directions, yeah. it's interesting to listen to some people's version of what directions could be. I'll take this one step further. Start this process of communication with your client as soon as they step off the plane. Oh, sure. As soon as yeah. you meet your client, establish a communication style. Figure that person out. Talk to them a lot about, okay, so, so-and-so, Sir John Doe, on your sheep hunt, 
here's how I'm going to communicate to you. I'm always going to give you the animal in reference to the one farthest from, or, or, or in reference from left to right. Mm-hmm. So third from the left, sixth from the left. If there are eight sheep standing there on the side of the mountain and he's the second one from the right, I'm going to say seventh from the left. Yeah. And stick with the same region of communication. Yeah, that's a good idea. Establish that right off the bat long yeah. before you're on ramps. Right. Because, because they, then the they, adrenaline's pumping. They need and they to got... understand how you communicate. Different yeah. guides and, you know, different clients. You don't want to find out that your client is hard of hearing and takes his hearing aids out when he shoots. 30 seconds before you're trying to tell him to shoot. <laughs> and I've heard of that happening. Yeah. I, haven't had it ha- I, yeah. I haven't had it happen with sheep hunters yet. Right. But I've had clients that have hearing aids in that have told me, oh, yeah, usually I take out my hearing aids when I shoot. Well, if a client gets prone behind a rifle to take a shot on a ram and he takes out his hearing aids, and then you say, the one on the left, or second from the right, it sounds like... <laughs> Six from the right. <laughs> well, and all of a sudden, funny? the wrong ram yeah. bites the dust. I yeah. recommend if your client can afford to go on that sheep hunt, advise him getting some hearing aids that can handle a shot, <laughs> well, a shot from a rifle. There's, a, just, there's that, a lot of them on the market That's not in the picture. But yeah. my, my whole point is communication yeah. comes down to the guide. Right. And obviously, if, if there's a client that's being a problem that, that you think is being belligerent, that no, I'm going to shoot this ram. I think he's legal. Yeah. Get out your cell phone and say, I'm going on record. I'm telling you as your guide, you are not to shoot this animal. I do not support right. this action. Yeah. That's probably never going to happen to about 99.9% of the guides in you the state. You get that guy back to camp and you send him home. Oh, yeah. Dude, oh, you yeah. send an inreach to the boss and say, pick him up. He's done. Right. But yeah. like I said, that's probably never going to happen to me. I've only ever heard of it happening a couple times. And if Hey, never say that. Well, let's just let's let's knock on wood here. I hope I never have a client like that. I've always had yeah. great clients. I've I've been very blessed in that regard. But establish a line of communication early. Figure out how right. to communicate. That way, you can potentially avoid you know mess ups like that. Because that's that's a once in a lifetime sheep hunt that these guys are going on. And then to go home with no ram, tired. You lost fifteen pounds on your sheep hunt. No. You got soaked. You sat yeah. in the wind for a week and a half. And that's just sheep hunting, but at the end, of it, then at the end of it, you're flying home with your duffel bag and your rifle case and no sheep, and your head hung low. And that is a real bummer. That's that's not what anybody wants to go home with. That's the ultimate for me. It, it's because yeah. it's not about, I mean, the money. It's not about no. the the anything going on my record for me. Yeah, I'm not gonna risk losing that sheep, no. man. Going through all that trouble, all that preparation, yeah. all that the learning. And better and, smile and big there, for the pictures because that's all you got. Yeah, right. There are exactly. some things that you can do to try to avoid sublegal ram harvest. Yeah. A lot of guys mess up. You know, they'll look at a ram from below, mm. and they'll say, "Oh yeah, he's he's full curl." Well, from underneath, right? It looks like he's full curl because you're looking at him like this, and it looks like a big sky hook on the side of his head. But <laughs> if you're up level with him, you'd see that his that his horn comes up to here. Like, right. Whoa, he looked bigger from underneath. For those of you who cannot see, which would be everybody listening, I'm motioning Dalton's over with here motioning with his hand <laughs> yeah. and making all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, if this was a YouTube video, you'd be, right. would you not be entertained? <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so being above but, a ram, he's going to look shorter horned than he yeah. actually is. Yeah. Because you're above him. and it, The angle's different. That happened with a ram that, uh, that, I was on a hunt with this fall that, that I was on a guided hunt with. And the other guide and I, we looked at this ram and we said, man, I, I mean, we're a long ways above him, but I don't quite think he's legal. 
what we need to do is get a level look at him. Yeah. And we walked away for a while. He ended up coming back up level with us and we put the spotters back on him and we both immediately said, oh yeah, we got to get, we got to get closer to this one. He looks, he looks good. And we, so it could go either way then. Right. Right. Now, that being said, the only time that I'm going to be willing to look at a Ram more than once, if my first impression is no, is if I'm above him. If I'm gotcha. above him, and, and this takes experience, if you're above him and he doesn't look like he's quite full curl, but he looks close, an experienced hunter is going to go, yeah, he's probably full curl. I'm going to go down and get level with him or wait till he turns his head yeah. so I can get a good lateral, you know, a, 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 a good straight horizontal look across his head to see if he's full curl or not or get a straight face on look and do a stick test which is a Mm -hmm. horizontal test across the bases and see where his tips intersect with that horizontal line yep so you know there are some tips and tricks and that we don't have time to get off into all that today no but if you are at a different angle to the ram that'll change how he looks and a lot of guys make that mistake they'll be underneath one looking up at a ram and they'll think he's bigger than he is yeah. And they'll take the shot and, you know. And then, then you end up on this list that I yeah. took a picture then, of it. Then, yeah. then you're <laughs> the on the list. Game, yeah. no, I, uh, while you're so, on your sheep hunt, yeah. a great thing for protecting the scope on your rifle is the uh, Stealthy, Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. <laughs> the, this and, is, uh, you're getting really good at this whole segue thing. They've also got a glassing pad to go on the, to, to put on the rocks right. to, to yeah. use your rifle yeah. rest yeah. or to sit on while you're glassing. I need to get mine from you. Oh, yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. But yes, we would yeah. appreciate it if you'd go over to Ryan Lamper's website, Stealthy Hunter, yeah. and check out the Stealthy Hunter equipment and nutritional supplements that we have partnered up through him. We have a discount code for the podcast that goes directly to support the show, The Northern Hunter. Yep. Apply that discount at checkout and receive a discount on your order. And there's a big yep. banner on the homepage of the Northern Hunter website to make it easy to get there and with a discount code shown w- there w- as w- well. A direct link to the Stealthy Hunter website from yes. our website, and, and I just want to say it's to like a them, segue. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to say to them, thank you very much for yeah, supporting the awesome. show, and you yeah. know, we're working hard to make you proud. So yeah, thank you. Ryan. Um, any final thoughts on this topic we talked about today, Mo? Got one minute. Uh, well, that's no pressure. too much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say there's a lot more sheep hunting we could cover. Oh man, for episodes and hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think I have much more to add. I'd like to talk about the legal processes specifically mm-hmm. when, you know, if you if something happens, because it can happen to anybody to take sublegal game. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Talking about what you need to do to prevent that, not just with sheep, but other right. animals. And what, right. what, what happens when you do, when you hopefully never do, but if it right. happens. And you know what happens if you do. It can happen to anyone. Yes, yeah. if you do. Mistakes yeah. happen to the best. Uh, I, yeah. I'd say the only thing that I would want to say in closing, and I know I've talked a lot, but. Sheep you're, hunting you're is the a, sheep hunter. Sheep, sheep <laughs> yeah. hunting is a thing I'm very passionate about. If I could only hunt two animals in the state, it would be brown bears and dull sheep. And probably in that order, just because of how much fun brown bears are. But that being said, sheep hunting is a big passion of mine. I'm not an expert. Mm. And I have some really good friends that are expert sheep hunters that know more than I do about it. That have been in on more rams and watched more rams hit the dirt than I have. And yeah. Sheep hunting is something that I never quite feel like I've achieved the level of expertise that I want to achieve, right? Right. Sheep hunting is a constant learning curve. I know guys that have killed 
I mean, ridiculous amounts of rams. Mm-hmm. And they still see new stuff in the mountains. And they still encounter new challenges. Yeah. yeah. They still deal with things on, you know, on some years that, wow, I never had to deal with that before. And this is my 25th sheep hunt, you know. So don't think that you can just go read a sheep hunting book. By the way, I'm going to plug Rampages by Lewis Ooh. Bradley. Those are phenomenal sheep hunting books. He's a local Alaskan. He lives in the Wasilla area, and he started sheep hunting when he moved up here in the early 70s. And you want to talk about some sweet sheep hunting stories and a wealth of knowledge. He shot so many 40-inch-plus rams, it's not even funny. And those are some clean-looking books, man. He yeah. did a good job with yes. those. Yes, and he's coming there. Well, I, I'm not going to say anything about the next one, but he, he, there, there are plans for another edition. But right now, nice. there are three books in the Rampages series that you can get from Lou Bradley. If you want to get serious about sheep hunting in Alaska, yeah. go find the Rampages books and order them up and be watching for the fourth one. I know some things that are going to be in the fourth one that are going to just be the only thing like it out there. I'm not going to say anything about it, but and, and it's going to be want, awesome. If you want experience looking looking at what a legal yes. sheep looks like, yes, and and there are what hundreds, you should be looking for. There are hundreds of photos, a, a plethora of photos of sheep photos okay. in the Rampages books that will help you out tremendously. It helped me out yeah. a ton. It yeah. helped me a lot. So anyway, so we'll cover more about sheep hunting in a future episode. Oh, but yeah. I, I think there's we kind of hit a, the important points. For there's going to be a lot of today. episodes in the future. Yeah. Got it. Maybe and, yeah. maybe closer to sheep season. I'd and, like to get Tyler Friel on here and talk about sheep hunting. He's he's somebody that's killed. I think he's killed 14 doll sheep. We're gonna now. have to have him on more than once. I'm oh yeah, sure. yeah. He's he's got a lot of information that we can that we can uh, yeah. put to use on the podcast. But so anyway. the the only final thought I would walk or like to leave you guys with is just. Be careful, man. Yeah. Just if you're out there, the, the sealing process yeah. is, is a good thing. Don't think that it's a bad thing. They're not out to get you. Right. What the sealing process actually does, they do it for bears and they do it for a bunch of different animals. And what it, what they're looking for is how hard did you hunt? Right. Where was this animal taken? Right. How easy was it to get this animal out of where it was? How were it's, the it's, numbers it's a, it's in a, that area? Yeah. yeah. It, it's a process for them to track where the animals are, where the animals are being hunted. Yeah. It's a good thing. But if you can't feel confident walking into that room, yeah, and, and you should yeah. think about that before you. It, it, would this be something you'd feel confident yeah. taking into that room? Yeah. And when you walk up to that sheep, if there's a trooper standing next to you, right? You did, yeah. Would you still take that shot? Yeah. Because losing that animal after that much work right. is, I, I wouldn't sleep for a year. And a man, sheep above all else. A I sheep. Mean, a, yeah. After all that effort. Yes. That is the so. last animal you want to get it through all that and then shoot it. Yeah. And yeah. make a mistake on it if you can help it. But. Yeah. It, on your point of, they're not trying to hurt you at all. No. With that no, process no, of going know. in to seal it. No. Yeah. Um, when it's possible, they actually have a sealing process for critters like caribou one year. Yeah. Um, yeah. You didn't actually have to take the animal in to get it sealed. Because all they want is information about the animal. Yeah. You just cut off the lower, like, three inches of the job right. and throw it in a bag with some paper. I don't know if you even had to put your name on it. No, it was and just drop just it off. Drop it in the bin. Yep. And uh, just because nobody cares about the lower jawbone on their caribou. Yeah. And if right. they do, I'm sure they can call in and go get it checked out. But they're not trying to make life hard for you. No. Yeah. It, and it's all based around conservation. It's based around yeah. trying to figure out these animals and how to better are better preserve our use of them yeah you know right. and, and preserve the hunting tradition trying to make sure that in 50 years 
people are still able our to do kids this. are still able to go pound in the sheep hills right and go sheep hunting in alaska so all right well so i am actually super impressed this turned into a whole episode this was actually for yeah. those listening this was yeah. this was supposed to be just like a little touch on it opening 15 yeah, minutes i kind of figured when, when we started talking about talking about that topic that uh, I, I didn't I, realize I, that you wanted to hit on this until you sprung it on me and then i thought oh i i can of yeah. worms everywhere i figured it out about 15 to 20 minutes into it i was like this is the topic <laughs> yeah. so this anyway is, it's been a lot of fun uh i really appreciate all your knowledge dalton and mo and i really had a lot of fun with this I'm one. I'm just so. an afterthought there. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's just left I'm to just, right, I'm man. Just, I'm thank American. you, Dalton. That's how I read. <laughs> thank you, Dalton. <laughs> and Mo. And, and, <laughs> yeah. Gotta, no. gotta throw you in there. It was fun I'm having you back <laughs> on the show, James. I'm glad that you're back in town and we could kick this back off and right get the new year headed yeah. in the right direction. So This is this is fun, guys. Yeah. And, uh, Thanks. If you have any comments or yes. if we got something drastically wrong, yes. let us know. Right. Yeah, we love, a, we love knowing that we're wrong. Hell yeah. Contact us button on the top of the page on the Northern Hunter podcast and click there and send us no. an email. Yep. All right. And so, and like I said, guys, pay attention to what's happening this year mm. because we're going to be bringing out some pretty cool stuff. We got several more platforms that we're going to be bringing out for yeah. you guys. So if you like this show, please subscribe to it. Rate us five stars, preferably. Yeah. And but if us, not, be honest. <laughs> but if not, yeah, be honest. Let us know where we can improve. Yeah. We, we are still new. We're still growing. If, Let us know how If you we like can the show, improve. send it to your friends that you think will like it Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. And leave a review. Out. You know what? Yeah. Even if you didn't like the show, send it to your friends. <laughs> <laughs> so they can't Check like out it how too. bad this show is, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, leave us a review. It's awesome. Uh, you can go to our website. Everything we do will be on the website. That's kind of just right. our right. our homepage. Even if it's in other places, it's going to be there too. So that is thenorthernhunter.com. Check out all of our socials. You know, we've got the.northern.hunter on Instagram. Mm -hmm. If you just go to Facebook, it's at the Northern Hunter. I was able to get that one. Yep. And just interact with us. We post every time we have a new episode or a new article or anything it's on there you'll yep. get alerted uh there's a email listing you can sign up for please do that it really helps us out too yep and again if you have any questions let us know we love talking about this stuff we look it's it's our passion man so yeah we yep. love helping you guys out but hunt smart hunt say have a good week we'll see you next week yep and make sure it's legal yes <laughs> this has been the northern hunter podcast <laughs>